Welcome to another episode of Cohen's Corner. Uh, in the time that we recorded our last episode, since then, Kumar Rocker was drafted, and then he wasn't. The trade deadlines passed, and uh, the Mets didn't really upgrade their pitching like they probably should have, but they did get a superstar in Javier Baez. They've played pretty mediocre baseball since the All-Star break, but there's a lot to get into. So, Elizabeth, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yes, you're right. It has certainly been a very eventful last few weeks that we've been on our little extended All-Star break, but luckily we're back now. We have a lot to talk about, as Jake said. So, yeah, I guess we can get into starting to recap last week's trade deadline, which, you know, honestly, for the Mets was was less crazy than it even was for a lot of other teams. I have to say, this is like, this has to be a record for like most trades most major trades ever made at a trade deadline. Like, I don't remember in years past so many superstar players moving teams. So on one hand, it was kind of exciting. On the other hand, I kind of felt bad, especially for teams or for fans whose teams got completely decimated. I mean, I know I'm thinking mostly of like the Cubs and the Nationals. I know both teams have won World Series in the last few years. So with those cores that they did trade, so I don't feel as bad as I would have. But still, it, it was definitely, there was definitely a lot going on. And the Mets, as we said, were involved with that with, getting Javi Baez, um, which I have to say, I wasn't super high on as for trading for Javi Baez before they actually did it. So Jake, I want to hear your thoughts on, I guess, what you thought about how, like before the trade deadline, what you thought about whether the Mets would trade for Javi Baez, but now that they actually have him, if your opinion of him has changed at all or what you think he'll bring to the team. Well, obviously, as many people know, I really wanted Chris Bryant. I mean, dating all the way back to last off season. So I was hoping they would trade for him, but when the rumors started to come out that they might get Javi Baez, I was excited about that too, just because, I mean, he's an exciting player and he's a great defender. Yeah, he strikes out a lot more than I'd like him to, but he hits a lot of home runs in clutch situations as we saw the other night. And uh, yeah, he's just a fun player to watch and he brings a different kind of energy to the team. So I was excited at the possibility of him coming aboard if it wasn't Chris Bryant. So obviously that's what happened. And they got Javi Baez and Trevor Williams who can maybe give them some depth on the pitching front. But yeah, I was pretty excited. I'm glad they did something. I mean, Sandy Alderson basically said it like they had, they had to do something. They couldn't just stand there and not do anything. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's an exciting move. They definitely should have done more and gotten more pitching, but we all know that didn't happen. So yeah, and, and we all saw in his first game the excitement that he, that he can bring. I mean, he hit that home run, and the crowd was going nuts. And then the next day, obviously, they lost, but he made that great throw to the plate. He's got such a strong arm. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited about it. I think him and Lindor, when Lindor comes back, that uh, Baez and Lindor up the middle, it's going to be great, a lot of fun to watch. McNeil can slide over to third. It gives them a lot of versatility. So I, I think it's definitely a move that – they needed to make if they were going to go get somebody. I mean, if it wasn't Brian, I'm glad it was Bias. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Here's my, my only question about what you just said is people, everyone's been saying, you know, when Lindor comes back, it'll be Lindor at short and Bias at second. Here's my issue with that is because McNeil, who has been hitting really well recently, we saw in a relatively short sample size last year that he really didn't do that well at third base. I mean, I. I just don't know if like that is a realistic option for the Mets, given what we saw from them last year. So my question is, is there any way that they consider having Baez play third so that McNeil can play second? Because especially if McNeil keeps hitting, if he hits well, they're really not going to want to take him out of the lineup for Baez. So I don't know. I just feel like, especially if McNeil is hitting, you have to put him in somewhere and he does play in multiple positions. So he's fairly versatile in that respect. But I'm just wondering if they would consider giving any thought to, 
I don't know if Baez has played third. I don't, I'm not really sure. I asked my friend who's a Cubs fan about it, and she didn't recall him playing third that much. So I'm not really sure if that's an option. But that's the only thing I'm wondering is, you know, obviously playing time tends to sort itself out. But I just don't know if McNeil at third, given what we've seen from him there, is really that much better of an option than, like, defensively at least, than, like, J.D. Davis at third or Baez at third and McNeil at second. So... Or if McNeil can play right field occasionally, if Conforto still keeps struggling, like, I don't know if that's going to be an option. We've seen him play the outfield before, not really this year, but mostly in 2019. That's the only thing. I mean, I, I have to say, like, the one thing this Mets team wasn't lacking this year was personality, and Baez definitely brings a lot of personality, which is always good to have even more energy, and we know he's really good friends with Lindor. The only thing I just wonder is, like, skill-wise, I just don't know if, like, I, I don't know if he really fills a void that they had I understand Lindor's injured, so I guess. And Guillaume is now on the IL as well. So actually, we probably did need another infielder anyway. So I'm glad they did get him just for that respect. But I just wonder, like, I, I guess, like I said, playing time tends to sort itself out. Having too many player, good players is never a good thing. But I just don't know when Lindor does come back, hopefully in a few weeks, if sliding McNeil to third is really the best option, frankly. I don't know if they're better off having Baez play there. I'm not sure what they're going to end up doing, but we've just been hearing a lot about this like potential double play tandem, which I don't really know is actually in the best Mets best interest, given the players that they have. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I don't know. I just think if you give McNeil a long run at third base, I think he would do better. And I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. He's looked shaky at times and that's putting it mildly. He just doesn't have a strong, I don't know if he has a strong enough arm. I mean, we talk all, we've talked about JD Davis and his defense. The one thing JD doesn't lack at third base is a strong arm. He doesn't always feel the ball cleanly, but he can at least throw very like generally pretty accurately. Yeah, but remember earlier in the year, like it was in Chicago. He was he like had the yips and he couldn't even throw the ball. He couldn't get it out of he couldn't release it out of his glove. He was throwing you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I, I would rather have McNeil at third base, honestly. I just think if you gave McNeil a long enough run at third, I think he'd be fine. I think he's got enough arm strength. I mean, we've seen his arm in the outfield. I mean he's made plenty of really good throws. Um he made a really nice off balance throw Friday night, backhand play, through it to first, where he's behind second base back. I, I think he's got a strong enough arm. But, I mean, you're right. We'll see. I think Baez has played a little – he's played a little third in his career. He's played a little outfield. They're not going to put him in the outfield, I don't think. But uh, I, you can move him around. But I think – I don't know. I think it would just be electric having Baez and Lindor up the middle, I think, um, defensively. I, I think Baez is a much better – not that McNeil's bad at second base defensively. He's actually pretty good. But I just think Baez is way better than McNeil defensively, and I just think it would suit your team better to have uh, Baez and Lindor up the middle. But they could go a different way, and they could put Baez at third if they had to. I mean, if McNeil proves that he's really not able to play a good third base, I'm sure they could just shift Baez over to third and switch things around. And, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like you said, if Conforto keeps slumping, which I don't, we don't really have reason to believe that he's going to turn it around because it's, uh, it's August and he's still hitting under 200. I mean, so, I mean, he did miss like a month and a half, so I'll give him yeah, that, but, but you're but right. Still, even s- since he came back, I think he's hitting like 160. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, if he's slumping, I mean, you could put him in – you could put McNeil in right. Maybe you're going to keep playing – it's crazy to think, but maybe you're going to keep playing Brandon Drury at third base. I mean, Drury played right the other night. I mean, because if Drury keeps hitting, I don't want him coming out of the lineup. He's been so good recently. What At one point, he was like 7-for-7 seven seven or 6-for-6 six six in July. I think he was 8-for-8. Eight eight. His first – his second tour with the Mets this year, I think he got hits in like eight consecutive That's bats. That's crazy. Something a lot like of them that. Were, At least 7-for-7. A lot of it was pinch seven. hitting too. Like, he's a really good pinch hitter off the bench, and 
he's been coming up really clutch. I've loved what Brand Drury's done. And I mean, earlier in his career, Drury was pretty hyped up. Like he was supposed to turn out to be a really good player. So, I mean, who knows? It's really nice that he's, uh, he's turning around here. And I mean, plenty of teams, I mean, look at the Yankees, right? They picked up Gio Urshela a couple of years ago. And he was just at that time, he was like this defensive specialist who hadn't a uh, so, so bat. And then he turned out to be a what he hit over like two eighty that year Everyone they had him. When they go to the Yankees. That's just what happens. Everyone saying, turns who knows? into maybe him. maybe we could be the team to find a diamond in the rough. I mean, look at what the, the Dodgers do it all the time when they found Max Muncie off the scrap heap. They do it all the time with players. So Chris Taylor, they they do it all the time. So I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's just lightning in a bottle right now. I mean, that's what it could seem like, but I don't know. But yeah, I guess like you said, playing time kind of seems to sort itself out. So Let's kind of cross that bridge when we get there, I guess, when Lindor yeah, comes let's back. Let's wait for Lindor to actually come yeah. back fully healthy, and then we'll discuss where And let's else see when, if Lindor does come back fully healthy, who else is healthy around him, you know? Right. Like, who, who, so we'll have who knows? To Davis could get injured again. We don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. McNeil, who knows if he'll yeah. even be healthy the rest of the season. But we know he's had some being, leg issues. I'm going to love watching Bias play short because he can play a great shortstop. So I, I, think, I, think it's, uh, I think it'll work out. And who knows? Maybe, maybe they see something in Bias that they want to keep him around long term. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean – He's a really good. He's a really good player. Sometimes he, his average may dip a little bit because of those strikeouts. I think he leads the National League in strikeouts. He's only a few off the major league lead. I think Matt Chapman leads the majors in strikeouts. But yeah, so he's going to strike out a lot. You know, what you're getting at Javier Baez. He's going to drive in a lot of runs. He's a really good base runner. He plays great defense. Uh, so we saw that wizard like play that yeah. he was involved. With, he was the center of the whole play with the Pirates this year yeah, earlier, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. It was crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. But somehow exciting, he makes things happen. I think that's the best way to put it, kind of. So I don't know. I mean, they did something at the deadline. They got him. I wish they had gotten more pitching. I mean, it kind of proved even this weekend we need more pitching. But um, yeah, so. I think Baez is gonna he's gonna be a good Met and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. And you're right about the pitching too, because I, I still feel like, you know, even if and I, I'm glad if the prices really were as high as we've heard for Barrios, meaning like Dom Smith and Francisco Alvarez, which seems outrageous. But I mean the the Jays did give the twins like two of their top four prospects, so who knows? But I, I'm glad they didn't sell the farm to get a starting pitcher. I do think they would have been able to get another reliever or two for not that much, which the thing is, even though that wouldn't have solved any starting rotation issues, having better relievers is always good because more pitching in general is, is always a better thing because someone needs to pitch those innings. So if you have extra relievers, then you just, even if your starter can only go five innings, you still feel better about that. If you have better relievers, even if you didn't get another high leverage, you know, marquee starting pitcher. So could the Mets have gotten potentially Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates. Could they have gotten someone else? I, I think so. I think they could have gotten another reliever without having to sell the farm because, you know, like I said, that wouldn't have necessarily provided someone to plug in every day, but it might potentially lessen the need for the random people we've been seeing called up from AAA, you know, like Jeff Hartley pitched yesterday. We've had Anthony Banda pitching a bunch of innings recently. All these other players that I, I, I do feel like you know, even if the prices for like a marquee starting pitcher like Barrios, like I don't even know how many other. I mean, I guess Scherzer obviously they weren't going to get, so that was out. But they could have done. I, maybe they could have done what the Phillies did and packaged Ian Kennedy and Kyle Gibson. And see, everybody. I I do think, especially with the Mets' solid defense, I know Gibson isn't really a strikeout pitcher, so I feel like with the Mets' much improved defense this year, Gibson was a guy I really felt like they. I I don't know how far along they got with him, but I I do feel like that would have been. A good move because yeah. again he's definitely pitched maybe better than his career to date 
this year. But I mean, if he's pitching well this year, maybe you try to ride that out. Maybe you believe in him for this year and whether or not he's going to be that way for the rest of this year. I, I don't know. I don't even know what the Phillies, what did the Phillies give up to get Gibson? They gave up Spencer like, Howard and like some other people. I'm not, yeah, I'm not it sure wasn't, exactly. it wasn't anything nuts. Like it wasn't because Howard is one of their top prospects, but he has not pitched well. No, in he hasn't the looked that leagues. good. I mean, he's looked okay, but he hasn't looked that great in the majors. So I, I do. Yeah. That's and the he, thing. Ian Kennedy's having a good year. He was closing for Texas and now to add him to Philly's bullpen, which we know how bad Philly's bullpen is. So, I mean, that was a sneaky good move by Philadelphia. And, yeah, I think that's a move. Some, some, whether it was that move or not, but the Mets definitely could have done something similar. And I guess it sucked that they didn't know DeGrom was going to be out for an extended period until about two hours before the deadline. That's so. true. But here's here's my issue with that. It's like, yes, they didn't know about his, you know, additional inflammation. But he was already out. Yeah. Like, and he he's, was and already And he's been dealing injured. with crap all and year. So you not... had to have thought something was going on that's the thing like unfortunately jake hasn't been not you degrom hasn't fully been like on the field this year and it's like yes they didn't know about the additional inflammation till two hours before the trade deadline supposedly but it's like degrom was already injured they already basically needed to fill the pitching void so that that's that's the only issue i have with that and carrasco you know he looked good in his first start in four innings but again he's kind of treading on thin ice health wise too you never know it's like I, i don't really buy that I don't think that additional news about DeGrom should have changed that much. But on the other hand, he was already out. It's not like it's not like DeGrom was fully healthy in the rotation this week and then all of a sudden, two hours before the trade mm-hmm. deadline, got hurt. He was yeah. already out for two yeah. weeks. We didn't even know when he was going to come back. So yeah. they still needed to, to like, address that with that knowledge. But that even if, like, even if this additional setback hadn't happened, DeGrom wasn't going to come back for at least two more weeks. That's like two or three more starts really that they would have needed someone to fill his spot in the rotation. So yes, they, they did get Trevor Williams and Carrasco is now back and they traded for Rich Hill last week, which, you know, he's hopefully going to be decent and that's probably all you can expect. But that's the only thing, that's the, the issue I have with how they address the pitching is like DeGrom has already been out. It's not like he's been healthy the whole season and then suddenly had this issue. So that's why I just can't buy that they were really relying on him at this point to be like another acquisition because He's been injured for the last two or three weeks already. So it's yeah. like we didn't even know when he was going to come back yet. We might have had another setback next week that we wouldn't have known about. So that's that's the only thing. I feel like I just I, – I feel like their strategy, regardless of this additional setback, should have been to get more pitching and not to be relying on DeGrom to be back soon. And if that's definitely. what they were relying on, I think that was a mistake. Yeah, definitely. And especially like – It'd be one thing too if they're like, oh well, Syndergaard's making his last rehab start right now, and he's going to be back in a week or two. He soon, hasn't right? even he yeah. hasn't even started throwing either. So it's not like it's not like they have this big fallback option, you know. So like I don't, yeah, I don't know what their rationale was there. There was plenty of pitching, even just mediocre pitching to go get to throw in the back of your rotation, like a Rich Hill type, like even somebody just like that, like another. Well, guy that, to Trevor put Williams is basically unfortunately I, nah, he's not that great. I guess, he, <laughs> yeah, but he's, I, yeah. He I would say he's exactly that. I feel like they could have gotten, in in addition to Trevor Williams, a good reliever. I feel like they could yeah. have gotten oh, someone Oh, yeah, good. definitely. Like, even if you went after one of the, like, Tapera from the Cubs, who also went to the White Sox, like Kimbrell did, like, just like a setup man. Like, Chafin, Andrew Chafin. They could have really Chafin, used another yeah, lefty. They, there was a lot, like, there's from all different teams. I mean, even if, if the Nationals were willing to make a deal with you and go after Brad Hand, who hasn't been that, hasn't been amazing this year, but we obviously wanted him I before mean, the year. Honestly, you need quality relievers at the back end. I mean, we have a few. 
And if Lugo, Lugo's look a little shaky lately. I mean, Diaz worked out of trouble the other night, but you can never have too much, too much pitching. I mean, that, I mean, Zach Scott's been saying, that's the thing. Zach Scott's been saying that all season. You can never have too much pitching and we're looking to upgrade the pitching. Well, then what are you doing? Cause that didn't happen. And what another thing I'm wondering is like, so the Orioles, for example, are in like last place in the AL East, right? And I've seen some of their games this year. They have a couple of pretty solid lefty relievers in their bullpen. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of whom were traded. And so I'm wondering, like, where where's that? Was there anyone looking in on, like, Paul Fry, for example? He's a lefty reliever for the Orioles, who's pitched pretty well this year in general. Yeah. And, like, could have done. And the Mets only have one lefty in their bullpen right now, and Aaron Loop, who has been great. Don't get me wrong. But I just feel like... Even if they were like, okay, we can't really upgrade the rotation without selling the farm, fine. But if they, if the, but that's the thing. If you know, then you're going to have more starters going five innings because you didn't really upgrade the rotation. Then why not get another reliever to pitch better in those other innings? Because someone's got to pitch innings one through nine. Like it doesn't. Even if, even if they don't get someone who can go seven reliably, like if someone's got to pitch those innings. So whether it's getting another reliever who can pitch one or two innings every few days or whatever. I just feel like there were other options. You know, like I said, the Orioles, they're in last place. I read a bunch of articles recently about how they were probably looking to trade their some pieces of their bullpen. And, you know, to to be fair, I don't I, I only recall hearing about the Orioles doing one trade, which was Freddie Galvis to the Phillies. Do they even trade any of the relievers? I didn't really hear like, about anything. They, where was that interest on yeah, like these other know. teams? We were hearing a lot about the Rockies, the D backs. What about the Orioles? They're in last yeah. place in the AL East. I'm sure they had some pitchers that could have been options. And I don't well, I guess, recall I guess there's a reason that. why they're so bad. They don't have too much to give. That's no, but that's true. But they, there have yeah, been relievers who have pitched couple, yeah. well. That's what like, I'm look, saying. Last year they were just as bad and Van Wagenen went out and got Castro. And right. Right. Exactly. Shaky, but, but they have guys. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at like the Diamondbacks. They traded Joaquin Soria to the Blue Jays for a player to be named later. You're telling me the Mets couldn't have done something like that. Like just a, a decent reliever, or like Michael Gibbons went to the Reds. They the Reds didn't give up that much He's for decent. him. Like decent, go go get him. There were so many like you didn't need to go get a Craig Kimbrell. Like that's all I'm saying. You just need to get a guy that you can feel comfortable pitching in the sixth, fifth, sixth inning. That when your starter only goes four and a third or whatever they're giving you, like that you can go out there and it's a close game and the guy can keep it there. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to keep calling up people who were recently DFA'd by other teams. Yeah. Or these guys that have six something ERAs in triple A and we're calling them up expecting them to do well for us. I mean, even look at last week, look at what we had to call, literally call Jared Eikhoff off his couch to come pitch for that us and he got shelled again that should never that's happen the again. thing. So, but, but who's to say it won't when we, that's have what I'm saying. It, no that was, that was, I thought, somewhat embarrassing i hope that doesn't happen again that yeah. it might but i hope it doesn't or even forget about like the pitching we don't have like the pitching we do have taiwan walker has looked horrible since the all-star break like he was great prior but he hasn't looked he hasn't looked the same since the all-star break he's been getting knocked around beat around i mean obviously that first game in pittsburgh and he's given up a lot of home runs i mean so that he could be he's going to be a big x factor down the stretch because if he doesn't pitch even close to what he did earlier in the year the mets could be in big trouble yeah, I mean, he's definitely – what we've seen from Walker these last three starts is right. I mean, he's had – flat. like, for example, his most recent start. He looked really good in the first, like, three innings. And then he kind of just unraveled. And, you know, I don't know if it has anything to do with fatigue where, you know, he hasn't pitched this many innings in, like, three years. So that, that could be part of it. So I, I don't really – know. but if that's the case, then – and you can't fully rely on him to, you know, pitch seven shutout innings like he was doing practically every start in April and May. 
then you're going to need to think about a plan B. And if he's not going to be, you know, a seven inning, one or two run type of start, then that needs to be factored in to how their pitching is going to look for the rest of the season. Because, you know, hopefully he turns it around. But like I said, he he's had a lot of injury issues the last few years. I don't think he's pitched this many innings since like 2018, maybe 2017. Like, I'm not even sure. So that that definitely could be part of it. I know people have talked about like the spin rates and like the substance crackdown, which could be a factor for him as well. But it also could be just the fact that, you know, and we kind of forgot that he, I think people kind of forgot that he was coming off of all these injuries because he pitched last year, but really didn't much the, the two years before that. So, mm. but he pitched so well earlier in this year. We're like, oh, he's going to be amazing all year, which I don't know if that was realistic to expect, even though it seemed like a nice idea at the time. Yeah. So I, I don't know. So hopefully he turns it around because he's going to, he's going to have, if the Mets want to make any noise, they're going to need Taiwan Walker to be at least a pretty good pitcher because he's, He's ba- I mean, I guess with Carrasco back, he could be considered their three if they have to, with Stroman being the two if he can pitch well. But, yeah, he's going to have to turn around. But while we're I mean, of- Tyler well, McGill has pitched better than anyone over the last month. Let's be He's pitched better a- than Stroman McGill's and looked- Walker. McGill's looked really good. Now, yeah. I'm starting to think that he could be a part of the future. If he's going to keep looking this good, I mean, what, he's got an ERA in the low twos. What? Yeah, he's he's been such a pleasant surprise, and I'm not – I'm not saying he's going to turn out to be Jacob DeGrom. But what I'm saying here is that when DeGrom came up, nobody really knew anything about him. Rafael Montero was the hyped-up guy that they had brought up the day before. And DeGrom was just the guy that was maybe going to have a start here, but was probably just going to be relegated to the bullpen. They just needed him. They needed him to fill a spot at the time. Well, McGill was kind of the same way. They just needed him to kind of fill a spot at the time. He was pitching well in the minors. They called him up and – who knows if he's going to keep pitching like this, there's no reason to take him out of the rotation. Like no reason at all. He's been there since the all-star break. He's far and away been their best starter. They, they, it's not they, even every close. start from him so far. Yeah. They really had, I think they've he's won six awesome. out of the seven starts. He's they couldn't have imagined anything better than this from him in his first few starts. Like he has been amazing working in and out of trouble. I mean, it, nothing seems to really phase him. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. He's just been a lot of fun to watch. I do think it's interesting how, and again, I don't want to get too kind of swayed by like young pitchers doing really well in the first few starts because, you know, unfortunately, like David Peterson looked really great last year and really didn't look nearly as confident this year, I think, before he got injured. So I don't want to assume that McGill is just going to be, you know, as like off and running for the rest of his career. It isn't going to have any struggles. He probably will. And DeGrom did too, even after his rookie year as well. So I do think. I think you can sense I, – I did definitely sense in his first start, like, something. I, I don't know what it is. I feel like sometimes pitchers come up and you can just sense, like, they just give off some aura. And I did feel like in his first start, I think he only went, like, four and two-thirds innings. I don't remember exactly how much he pitched. But I just felt like – you didn't feel like you were watching someone making his first start. You felt like he had just a lot of confidence. And I, I, I felt like he was overpowering the other team, which you don't often see from, like, a rookie pitcher making their first start coming up from, didn't he come up from double a too? Uh, I think he was in double a to start the year. And then he went to triple a for a little that, before he got. Caught. Okay. So I, but he didn't spend much time in triple a. No, no. And actually, I mean, Peterson didn't either last year and maybe that's why he struggled, but struggled this year anyway. But yeah, I, you know, hopefully <laughs> that's the thing. The Mets still, they always seem to have a lot of ifs, which, you know, to be fair, every team does. There's a lot of injuries this year, but I mean, at this point, whoever's pitching well like he's staying I mean I don't care like 
I don't care. If he keeps pitching well, like he's staying in the rotation. And it's that's the same deal with kind of like how Drury, if Drury's going to keep hitting, he's got to stay in the lineup. If McGill's going to keep pitching this way, there's no reason to take him out of the rotation. No, absolutely not. Especially, you know, depending on how well the rest of, you know, Stroman, he's had some ups and downs. Generally, he's been fairly dependable. So I'm, I'm fairly confident he's going to be at least good the rest of the year, even if he's not yeah, he outstanding. Mm-hmm. So they got Stroman and, you know, like I said, we don't, we're not sure about Walker. Carrasco in his, throughout his career has been a very good pitcher. So as long as he hopefully, if he can stay healthy, I'm fairly confident he'll be at least good because like I said, his career to this point has been good every year when he's been healthy. So yeah. And he was yeah. really good the other night. I mean, besides that first pitch that India hit out, he was, he looked awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, Rich Hill, like we said, he's probably going to be just okay. And that's, that's all I could really expect from him because that's, that's just what he is probably at this point in his career. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely been one of the highlights over the last month. While unfortunately DeGrom's been out for so much of it is watching McGill come up and blossom in his first few starts. And really like, he seems to fit right in. I feel like a lot of guys we've talked about this, they've come up this year and they seem to just like fit right in. And you almost forgot that they were ever not Mets. And that's kind of how I feel with McGill. I'm like, wait, he, there was a time when he wasn't on the team because he feels like he's just kind of fit in so well. You know, he started the other night when Conforto made that amazing throw at the end of the game to basically save the game in the ninth mm-hmm. inning. And McGill had some really fun comments after the game about how excited he was in the dugout because he was still, you know, he pitched that day, but he was still in the dugout, I guess, watching at the end of the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've loved what I've seen from him. Definitely, you know, again, I don't want to – people were putting a lot of DeGrom-esque, I think, comparisons just because the two – were the exact same age when they made their major league debut in very similar circumstances. So, yeah, we don't know how that's going to bode. But I do – I remember watching DeGrom's first start, definitely sensing that he knew what he was doing and he was here to stay. And I kind of feel the same way with McGill. I really hope he's here to stay. And if he pitches well, he will be. So I'm really looking forward to seeing – I think he's pitching – is he pitching? I don't know if he's pitching today. He's pitching sometime in the Marlins series. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does there. And, and yeah, hopefully he can kind of keep being – being that lockdown presence in the rotation down the yeah. stretch. They'll need him. Yeah, they, they definitely need him because I don't know where else they're they're getting it from right now. I mean, he's been the most solid starter they've had since the All-Star break. So hopefully, at least until the ground comes back, we need Miguel to definitely at least hold down the fort. But this pains me to bring it up, but we have to talk about the Kumar Rocker situation. So when the Mets drafted Kumar Rocker, personally, I was so excited. Like, I was watching the draft on my phone. And I was just, oh, my God, they didn't take Rocker. They didn't take Rocker. Oh, my God, he's falling. And I was so happy that the Mets were able to get Kumar Rocker. I thought it was a steal. thought he was going to be a great Met. It was just going to be a match made in heaven. Well, turns out uh, some things are just too good to be true. Because as uh, all Mets fans know by now, Kumar Rocker didn't come to an agreement with the Mets on his uh, deal out of the draft. And, I mean, I guess it's due to medicals. Obviously, it's due to his medicals because they, they agreed on a $6 million deal. Boris, his agent is Scott Boris, agreed with the Mets on the $6 million deal, which was above his slot value. And it was pending the physical. And after the Mets brass looked at the physical, they just weren't comfortable signing him. And apparently they took the offer off the table completely, didn't didn't ask for a discount, didn't anything. They just didn't want to sign Rocker. So they must have seen something that was really wrong. I can't imagine it was just like a UCL tear where he would need Tommy John. Because if that were the case – so many pitchers have had Tommy John and come back even better than they were previously. So I don't think that that can't just be it. It must've been a shoulder problem. I'm sure we'll find out down the road, but there's gotta be something. And then after they didn't come to an agreement, Boris released this statement that said that Rocker's not going to return to Vanderbilt. He's going to basically train on his own. 
which to me, I know other players have done that in the past, I guess, but that's a red flag because if Rocker was completely healthy and ready to go, I don't see why he wouldn't go back to Vanderbilt and build up his value and try to get drafted even higher because he's not even going to sniff the bonus that he was getting from the Mets now because if he's not pitching all year and they maybe maybe I guess he'll still be a first-round pick, maybe, but I mean, if all these teams were willing to pass on him now, I can't imagine that teams are really going to be chomping at the bit to draft draft him next year, especially with all this going down. So, I mean, if the Mets front office, I tweeted it yesterday, but if the Mets front office got this one wrong, this could be one of the most disappointing things in franchise history that they let this guy slip through their fingers because he's so talented. He's got a slider already that could get major league hitters out. And I mean, he's just, he looks like he's got it all. And uh, it, re- it really sucks. It honestly just sucks for both the team and the player. I mean, but, I mean, at this point, what are you going to do? But, yeah, I don't – Elizabeth, what, what were your thoughts on the whole situation? Yeah, I was really upset. I – like you, I was so excited when they drafted him. Like, I'd, I've never been so excited for a Mets draft pick in my life as when they drafted Rocker because he just seemed to – but you're right. Honestly, I – maybe it was just too good to be true, and which is really sad to say because I feel like that always happens with the Mets. You know, things are always too good to be true, unfortunately. But – I, you're right. It's such an, I mean, I don't know. I was like really upset by this news. I wasn't so like, I was like, angry at the Mets at first, but I also, I'm more just like sad at the whole situation. Like what, that, what I'm really just wondering, and I know I'm not going to be privy to this information before everyone else, but like what, what was so wrong on the medicals? And like, I just, what, what could it have possibly been? Cause you're right. I mean, if it was, if we find out that it was just a UCL tear, that that can't happen because everyone has Tommy John at this point and it, that's like practically I would say a non-issue if I I mean again I'm not a medical expert I would say if that was the issue that that would be just like ridiculous but yeah it's really just an unfortunate situation because you're right it seemed like such a perfect fit he seemed he had such a fantastic college career and like on the one hand like if if something is seriously wrong with his health that the Mets didn't want to take it because the Mets seemed like so excited about him. That's the thing. They said that they've been targeting him for years. They were like, I mean, that could have all been, you know, like smoke and mirrors, but they probably were targeting him for years. They said that they really were so excited when he, when he fell to them. And it like, if something so serious came up that they really think it's going to threaten his career as a major league pitcher, like that just sucks. Like I, at this point, you know, I don't know. It's just like a really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because yes, the Mets are going to get the 11 pick next year, which I guess it, I'm, it's good that they actually get a compensation for not signing him because of the whole. I think because he refused an MRI before the draft, the Mets now get like a compensation pick next year. I'm not 100% sure, but there's some sort of rule that because he refused the pre-draft MRI, this could happen. So I guess it's less risk on the Mets part then because they do get a replacement t- top 11 pick next year, but which you know maybe will turn out to be someone healthier than Rocker, but. Yeah, it's it's really it's really unfortunate. It it's I know there was a lot of like vitriol being spewed all around on like social media and which probably, you know, there were a lot of people like really angry, but also I think just like upset because it's like yeah, we call it, we kinda all look like fools for being so excited about this a month ago. Be like, How did he fall to us? Oh my god. It's like, well, this might have been why. Why did the Angels not take him at nine? I was baffled by that hopefully the pitcher they got ends up being healthy and maybe we'll debut before rocker does. So yeah. And it's, I don't know. I've had like a lot of emotions about this because I was like really, really excited. But at this point, all I can do is just be like a little bit just upset and just like hope that something works out for him 
in the near future because I just I again I don't know that much about injuries compared to like the average person. I what could it have possibly been? Like that's what I'm really that's wondering. What, I, and I, I hope know. I hope we find out because like rotator what could it cuff, have possibly like it, it's got to be something like rotator cuff. It's got to be something. Was like it shorter. thoracic outlet? I mean, would they have even found know. that? Nah. Like that's yeah. I don't I don't know what. That's the thing. Like I don't. He's so young that what could you find now that you, is going to scare you away from and, not wanting him in your future? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's, he's young. He, and he's, he's got a lot so of many arm, innings, He's though. got a lot of innings on his arm from college. Like I understand that. But like, so does Leiter. I mean, he's but, a year younger. But it's but. not like if if Rocker was like this, the thirty something year old guy that you're trading for, and you found this in his medicals, fine, it could scare you away. But this guy's got a long, long career ahead of him. Hopefully, you know, like, so I, I don't want, I don't want Rocker to like, like flame out and not have a good career. But at the same time, like, the Mets front office better have gotten this one right because if Rocker turns out to be this stud superstar pitcher, like. This is this could be a fireable offense. Nolan like, Ryan esque. This will oh, be Nolan Ryan esque. It's if, horrible. I mean, uh, I mean, the last time a deal got botched for the Mets due to medicals with that was with Carlos Gomez, and then it ended up working out, and they got Cespedes. So yeah, who knows? Maybe next, maybe this pick they get next year, they'll be able to take a guy, and the guy will turn out to be a great player for the Mets. If that if that were to happen, say they take a, a really good player at eleven next year, and he ends up being a really good contributor for them and a good player, and then Rocker's still good. All right, that's different. But if Rocker turns out to be the superstar player and you don't find a good player at, with the 11th pick next year, it's going to be a shit show. Like this, this stuff like this can't happen. So the Mets front office better have gotten this one right. Yeah. And I was seeing a few tweets about how, like, in general, when this type of thing has happened, especially with first round talent, like, general, I, I don't think it's ever been the case whenever, like, a team hasn't signed their first round pick that the first round pick has gone on to be a superstar. Like, I don't think that's like ever happened so history is on their side here because we saw with like the astros i think whenever it was 2014 they had like the first overall pick brady aiken and didn't sign him and then i don't know what happened he's not in the majors today like i'm not really sure i don't know exactly all the details there but there was the same thing with like issues on his medicals and they ended up not signing him i think he was like the first overall pick too in whatever draft that was so like history is on the Mets side here if they really found something that serious because whenever this has happened before it's the player hasn't had a really a notable career from what I know so which is sad to say because like someone with rocker's kind of pedigree going into the draft I felt like he was destined for major league success like soon like next year yeah so it's like it's hard to be it's one like I guess I have to trust that the Mets really found something super serious here because Otherwise, like, I just can't fathom why they wouldn't have signed him because they seem like they really – they and also, they seem like they planned the rest of the draft around him. That's the thing. They didn't draft a backup plan. Like, they didn't draft a guy with, like, really high upside that they could have signed above slot, like, later in the draft. Like, say, a high school pitcher that was thinking about going to high school that you drafted in, like, the third, fourth round that you could offer more money to because, yeah, they based the whole draft around Rocker and they were saving up money because they needed extra money to give him above slot value to sign him. So it kind of, I know they took a, they had a good second round pick and then he's a pitcher, but like, uh, yeah, they planned the whole draft. Like the whole situation just sucks. Like whether, you, whether you're pissed at the team, you're pissed at whatever you're disappointed. Like the situation, it just sucks. Like it, it could have been, like I said, it, it could have been a match made in heaven and it's just, it's all gone now. And it's crazy to think that with the excitement that there was after not only just from the fans, but like you said, the team, the team had said they'd been targeting him since he was a freshman in college, even a senior in high school. Like 
they they had been targeting him. So the fact that they couldn't get a deal done and keep him on board, I mean, it just it just sucks. Like, just absolutely sucks. Well, I wonder, like, I mean, we know Boris is his agent, so, and I, I wonder, I, I don't know what I, like, tie this into, like, the Conforto situation, because, honestly, Conforto hasn't played that well this year to even warrant a huge extension, but I, I, I wonder if this will, like, sour any kind of future. I mean, Scott Boris isn't on the best terms with a lot of people, I would imagine, so I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, we've seen this before. Was, wasn't he also Carlos Gomez's agent? Yeah, I think so. Because that was the whole thing about they said like there were no issues with yeah, Gomez. Yeah, he was Gomez's agent. Yeah, yeah. so we've, we've seen this before with him claiming his players are healthy and maybe they aren't. So I'm not sure. I, I would not give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I would probably – I probably on that, in terms of trusting who's, like, whose medical evaluation is correct, probably the Mets. But, like, I mean, you know, it's not like they've had the greatest injury track record either. So – yeah, you're right. I honestly, I don't know if it's like a pointing fingers situation. I think it really is just, it's really just unfortunate. It sucks. The, it just sucks. The only thing I'm wondering is like, if all these other teams passed on him, like, did they know something the Mets didn't? Like, was there other information to be had out there? Especially why the Angels didn't take him. Well, a that, lot of people were saying it was surprising. like a signability problem. Like he was going to want too much money. Uh, I never really heard anything before the draft that he had any kind of injury problem. I mean, you had heard that his velocity had dropped towards the end of yeah. the season. But I just thought with the, COVID season last year, he didn't really pitch a lot. He threw a lot of innings this year. Like, it made sense why his velocity yeah. would drop a little bit. So, that that wasn't that big of a red flag for me, personally. But, yeah, I, I didn't really – I mean, maybe I just – I, mean, I wasn't reading though, the right so. stuff or whatever, but I, I just – I didn't see anything about him potentially being injured or having teams being scared about that, anything. I didn't – until recently, until all this stuff started coming up, I didn't, I didn't really think about that. Right, especially since there were a couple other teams that also didn't sign their first-round picks till yesterday. So, it's like, well – you know, that could have happened anyway, even without the injury stuff. Like, I know the Marlins, for example, they've got the 16 overall pick, Khalil Watson. I don't think they signed – they signed him yesterday also on, on the yeah. deadline. Mm-hmm. So it's not like waiting till the deadline would only have happened if – because of the injury situation. But but even so, like, yeah, you're right. It's really just unfortunate. Like, I, I hope we find out what happened or, you know, we're probably never going to get the whole story. But in terms of, like, what his injury actually was – I hope we find out eventually because, you know, like I said, none of us are medical experts, but the only, most of the knowledge I have about like injuries comes from following baseball, to be honest. Like I never knew what a UCL was before I like became a baseball fan. I never knew what any of this stuff was, but like, I at least have some context for what injuries might be career ending and which ones probably aren't. So I'm, I hope we find out. And I, I really hope though, like for his sake that he like isn't finished because he felt like he had just such, you know, star potential and not just like star like personality wise but really just star on the mound i i felt like he really had he had some like real something very tangible that could have been translated into a major league like star so for his sake i hope he had like something like good things happen for him but also you're right for the mets like front office sake you really hope they didn't let the future like cy young winner slip through their hands yeah yeah, so it's kind of like a give-and-take situation. Like, yeah, I don't want him to have a horrible career, but at the same time, like, if he goes on to have this great career, like, just, the Mets are just going to look like idiots. I mean, what else is new? I mean, we've gotten used to that in our lives, but – This would yeah. this would be – knowing the Mets, this would be the first time that, like, a team has passed on a first-round pick because of injuries, and he actually was fine. Like, knowing everything that's ever happened to them, this, like, would happen. Yeah. So, hopefully – well, we'll see. Hopefully we'll have to find out about the injury eventually because if he's going to get drafted next year and if he's going to play, like 
She's gonna have well, to can short, he short sign short. with an independent league team this year? Like, could yeah, he go play I in think Japan he, he if he wanted? Go, I think he can go play internationally. He can play independent. Yeah, or, or South Korea. Yeah. But, or Australia, for that matter. Yeah, I guess. But, I, I mean, I don't know why. I, I just think, and I don't know enough, I guess, about it, but I would – I would think to build his value back up, you would want him to go to Vanderbilt, one of the best programs in the country, and dominate hitters in college baseball. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that to build up your value. I mean, that's kind of – that's a red flag in my opinion. I mean, I know Which all, means maybe he is injured. That's that's what I'm saying. So, I mean – If and he all, can't all pitch Scott soon. Boris clients, they, they don't do the whole MRI thing before the draft. That's just like a Scott Boris client thing. So, I mean, that didn't really stand out that much to me. But, yeah, something's got to give. I don't, I don't know – I mean, you're right. They were too excited about him to just not sign him over a small little injury. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I like <laughs> – I hate to keep giving the Mets the benefit of doubt on this, but you're right. It seems, like, unfathomable that they wouldn't have signed him unless yeah. something serious came up. And, yeah, you're right. That's interesting because, yeah, Boris did release a statement saying he's not going back to Vanderbilt. He's going to work out on his own. But I'm like, if he was fully healthy, like, why wouldn't he pitch soon? And I, I get, I get that he just finished the season and, like, not that long ago and like needs a rest needs an off season. So that I understand why he wouldn't just immediately go pitch for another team. But I'm like, if he doesn't pitch at all till the next draft, I mean, what like that, how is that going to help? I I don't know. Like if he isn't injured and if he is, then we were right all along. So I don't know. Like it's just very puzzling. It's very Mets like situation, unfortunately. And you know, some, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And unfortunately, I felt like this, as soon as he hadn't signed for like a while, I was like, oh boy. And then there was like rumors that came out last week about them being concerned about his elbow and injuries. So unfortunately the other shoe dropped with this one. So, yeah. oh well. So we'll see. We say it a lot, but time will tell. I mean, we really won't know for at least another year probably and see where he gets drafted. We'll just have to move on, what kind of, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So we'll see what comes of his career. But before we end this week's episode, let's try to touch on a little bit of a lighter note. So this past weekend, Saturday night, the Mets inducted uh, three players into their Hall of Fame, and Al Jackson also received an award. Um, but yeah, yeah, so yeah, rest in peace. But Ron Darling, Edgardo Alfonso, and John Matlack were all inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame this weekend. I think the Mets did a nice job with the ceremony. It went really well, and they had a couple heart. They each had a heartfelt speech. They had some uh, Mets legends there. It was cool to see Mike Piazza in the stadium. Bobby V was there. They had a, they had a lot of guys in the. Uh, Gary, it was cool that Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez were able to present Ron with his plaque, and I thought that was really cool considering how long they've all been working together in SMY, and obviously Keith and Ron were teammates in the 80s and won the World Series in 86. So I thought that was, that was really cool to honor them. I don't know really why it, it took so long, especially for Matlack, considering how long ago he played. I mean, I guess it's just because we don't have the coupons as our owners anymore, so Cohen's finally doing what's right getting Matlack in there. I mean, getting Ronnie, Ron Darling in there, not only for what Darling did on the field with the Mets, obviously winning the World Series and having so many seasons. I think it was like six straight seasons with double-digit wins. I mean, he was an all-star one year, so he was he a very won a gold pitcher. glove. Yeah. yeah, I think he was the first Mets pitcher. He might Is he the only Mets pitcher to win a gold glove? I think he might be. Might be, yeah. He won in like 89 or something. But, I mean, I don't know what other Mets pitchers have won gold gloves. I might be yeah. wrong about that, but he, I know he did win one. Yeah, and also what he's done with SMY. I mean, obviously, he's given us great memories in the booth. And uh, in my opinion, nobody comes close to Gary, Keith, and Ron. So we know what uh, they've given us on TV. So it was just, it was nice for all three of them to be inducted. And Edgardo Alfonso is obviously one of the most clutch hitters in Mets history. John Matlack was a great pitcher for them in the Seaver days. And um, you knew what he, I mean, obviously, we didn't get to see him pitch, but from everything I read and have seen, you knew what you were getting with Matlack. He gave you a quality start almost every time out. And he was just a really, really solid pitcher. So, 
I think it was really nice for the Mets to induct them this weekend. And uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a nice ceremony. And at least they had that comeback win that night. Cause usually I feel like when the Mets honor people, they don't usually play that well. Like when they retired Piazza's number, they got blown out. They just yeah. seemed to not perform well. So, I mean, that was nice that they were, they came back and that was the night Fias hit his home run. So yeah, it was just, it was an all around a really uh, good night for the Mets and their fans, I think. Yeah, my favorite part of that whole Hall of Fame uh, ceremony was Edgardo Alfonso's speech because it was just so, like, I don't know. I felt like he could be not playing still, obviously, but I'm like, this man needs to be back in the organization immediately. Like, he clearly still has, like, the fire and drive and, like, passion for, like, baseball that I, I, I still can't believe that he's not managing Brooklyn again after – they won the championship last year. So my biggest takeaway, I think, from the Mets Hall of Fame induction was that Alfonso needs to be somehow officially back with the Mets in some way yeah, because his, be. his speech was just so fiery and you really felt like he has so much love for Mets fans and the city and like everything that the Mets have given him. And I hope they give him even more because I would love to see him be a bigger part of the, of the organization going forward like he you know has been over the last couple of years. And, and yeah, you're right. And, especially Matt Lack, you're right. I mean, he pitched like 50 years ago. This man won the rookie of the year. Like he was one of the Mets best pitchers in the seventies. I can't believe it took this long to get him in. He pitched them into a world series. Like that, that to me was baffling, but I'm glad he's, I'm glad he was around to see it and got to see himself being ducted. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but fairly old. So I'm, I'm really glad that they were all around and able to do that. Ed Cranepool was also there. It was good yeah, to see him Ed looking Cranepool. well. I know he's had some health issues recently, so that that was Ray really Ordonez nice to was see. there too. I haven't seen Ray Ordonez in a long time, so that was pretty yeah. good too. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was the Mets. I think they did a really good job with it. They they did a nice job, and they they had people there that they needed to have there. And um, yeah, the the way they set up the speeches. The I don't know if you guys were, saw the the like the cutouts that they had of the players behind the yeah, podium. I fun. thought that was really cool. So uh, yeah, I, I thought they just did an all around really good job, but. Yeah, so um, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of Cohen's Corner. Uh, Elizabeth, do you have anything else you'd like to add before the Mets play four with Miami and then three with well, Philly? I mean, this is a pretty big week. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The Marlins, I never trust the Marlins because no matter how bad they are, they always play well against the Mets. Always. Yep, like, they always. never look bad against the Mets. So They need to I'm take three out of four. They need to take we, three out of four. We shall see. We shall see. My, I'm always wary of them just because of their history with knocking the Mets out of the playoffs two years in a row, and mm -hmm. they always play well against them. So you never know. And Philly, like, Philly's pitching has been questionable, but, like, they've been hitting. So mm -hmm. I'm not counting them out. Honestly, I'm not counting anyone out because the Mets haven't looked that great. So they really have to play kind of above the level that they've presented, I think, over the last month. They've been playing 500 baseball since May. So if they really want to keep a tighter hold on the division, they'll have to play well this week and play kind of above the standard that they've been recently setting. Yeah, this is the week to distance themselves. They need to take three out of four out of Miami, and they need to win the series with Philly. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, it's going to be a big week for them. We'll see next time we're recording what our uh, what our mood's like. That'll depend on how they play this week. So, um, yeah, but it, it's good to be back. I know we had a little bit of a break, but uh, we're back, and we'll be coming out with a new episode every week. So uh, uh, we look forward to you guys listening to it and uh, your feedback, and please subscribe and give us any thoughts that you have. But as always – you can find Elizabeth on Twitter at NYMFan97. You can find myself at Giblin underscore Jake. And you can find the podcast at Cohen's Corner Pod. So, uh, yeah, it's great to talk to you guys again, and we'll uh, do it again soon. Let's go Mets. <laughs>